Hey Super Friends, my name is Neil and this is episode 37 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of comic book, film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio straight to your speakers. I am, of course, joined by my very own boy wonder himself, Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. What are we talking about this week, good sir, in another week of lockdown? Probably not a lot. Well, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you will know that Martin is very rarely prepared for the things that I prepare for us to talk about on a uh, on our fortnightly-ish basis on this podcast. So I implemented a brand new policy in Geico Tower, which is a Geico pod call sheet where I prepared for him notes, the episode number, a recording date, news topics, review topics, including who is responsible for presenting them, anything regarding interviews and competitions, and even lining up topics for the potential next episode, which was sent to him in advance, uh, and have you prepared as per the call sheet? I have not read the call sheet. Did you open it at all? Yes. And your thoughts were? I was like, oh, this looks fancy. I'll read that later. Okay, then. So... This week, there isn't a huge amount to talk about because we, we continue to be in lockdown. Uh, the comic book industry is beginning to return to normal, uh, and we'll pick up on that in the news in just a second. But there's still not really any film releases. There's lots going on in TV, which is why we're going to talk about Stargirl from DC and also Amazon Prime's new uh, series, Alex Rider. But um, other than that, it is it is quite quiet at the moment. Other than a couple of really big topics, which I felt we could probably... I don't want to say kill some time with, but we'll probably take up some serious time during the news section. Uh, so, without further ado, let's have the news jingle. So first up in the news this week, I wanted to talk about the... the actually, two of the major topics that we're going to talk about happened in the same 24-hour period, which is quite... One of them, yay. The other one, less yay. Uh... So first I want to talk about Batwoman. Wrapped up its first season, already announced to return for a season two, and then very, very, very shortly after the season one finale aired, we woke up to the news that Ruby Rose had quit. She was exiting the series, would not be returning for season two. No real reason given. Uh, she put out a brief statement that just thanked everyone for, for giving her the opportunity, uh, but that was it, hanging up the cape and cowl, moving on. And then in the last week, just to further that, we now have casting sides which seem to point to them uh, even replacing Kate Kane. So not having somebody else take over the role of Kate, but actually have somebody else completely step in as the lead character of the series and take over being behind the cowl. Um, so I thought we would talk about that for a little while because that's that's fairly. This doesn't happen a lot in TV these days. You don't you don't get the lead on a show exit quite like this, especially so early on in a series that's perceived to be doing well and doing okay and selling internationally and uh, you know it's now on here on E4 and it's doing okay and it's available on iTunes it's now on Netflix in America it's it's doing everything that the show needs to do to get out there I guess we should probably start by talking about um, how we felt about season one now that it's over I know we touched on it a bit when we talked to with the other guys in Crisis on Infinite Podcasts about how we felt about Ruby Rose as Batwoman um but now that we got to the end of the season, where where were you in your relationship with her after the finale? Meh. 
She hadn't grown on you? No. At all? Not even a tiny little bit? Maybe a tiny little bit. Almost like a... Like if you don't wash your shower and you get a bit of mould, you know you should get rid of it. But you're not really that bothered about it because it's in the, the top corner. <laughs> Did you just refer to Ruby Rose's mould? No, I'm just referring to, you know, you've got like a little tiny patch of damp in the shower and you probably should get rid of it, but you don't want to get rid of it because it's almost slightly comforting. Okay, so instead of her growing on you, you more just gave in to the fact that she was there. Yeah, I'll, yeah, there you go. That's I'll, nice. I'll appreciate it for what it is, even though I think it could be better, maybe? Yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, that's, that's a much cleaner <laughs> metaphor than I used. <laughs> Yours was very visual. Points point for effort. Um, okay, I... I can see what they were trying to do. Didn't quite land for me, but again, yeah. it didn't offend my eyes. So. I will probably t- take a very long time to answer this question. Oh, Jesus. Uh, no, no, no. I well, to be we in lockdown, so it's like everybody's got anything to do. I think I was fairly defensive of her from the beginning because I kind of liked her, and I don't know if it's a comment on Ruby Rose's acting ability, which I don't really want to pass comment on. I know she's not exactly the most highly regarded actress out there, but I felt like she was very good at being Kate Kane as Kate is in the comics. But I don't know if that was genius casting or a lack of ability, as it were, because I think she's quite a cold character anyway. And she came across as very cold and fairly emotionless, and I just don't, I don't know if that's a lack of ability and a lack of depth, or poor writing, or actually it being spot on. But I felt like she did well at being warm in Crisis and Infinite Earths when she was written by the the Supergirl team and the Arrow team and the Flash team, and that kind of made me warm to her a little bit. But as soon as this news came out, and I felt like in those last few episodes she wasn't really in it or the central focus anymore and I suddenly wonder if what I liked towards the end of the season was everything but her interesting but no, I, I have really mixed feelings on it because I didn't not like her and I do like the character of Batwoman and I do think it was a relatively well done representation of her from the comics that I know and I haven't read a huge amount of Batwoman comics, but I've read her in Detective when she was there as part, as part of Batman's squad that he was training. And I have gone back and I have read some Batwoman since the show started. But I don't know. I love Alice. Alice is a great character. Rachel Scarson is an amazing actress. Mary grew on me as the sister. I, did, I quite liked... Well, actually, I liked Luke Fox all the way along. I thought he was a good character. I didn't really like what they did with Hush. No. It needed a, it needed a story. What was the journey of her character? There wasn't really a journey, and that was the problem. It was too much of the the sisterly thing, just yo-yoing back and forth for the whole, what, 19, 20 episodes that we got in the end. I felt no connection. I I wasn't invested in the story because there wasn't really one. It was just them hating each other, loving each other, falling out, hating each other. Oh, no, we're friends again. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, look, there's Hush. So I think I was more invested in the stuff that was going on around her than I was in her, and she was just a bonus because I quite liked the character. So, how did you feel about this news when it came out? I was shocked. It was unexpected. It was a bit bizarre. I mean, you don't really see that happening these days, do you? No. I wasn't sad. I wasn't happy. No. I was just shocked. Do you think that the show should continue without her? It'd be a shame for the rest of the cast and the crew for it not to continue, just because whatever's happened happened 
but at the same time it'd be a bit weird just to replace him like oh kate you've changed so i wrote a piece about this which you can read over at the website now um usual address www.getyourcomicon.co.uk where i wrote about what was next for batwoman and i did this before we got the news that they may change the character and i wrote about how i think they're going to rely quite heavily on the supporting cast to try and help the transition because people are going to be freaked out by there being a different face so they were going to need to rely on luke and on mary and on alice to to try and keep things kind of ticking over as normal because people won't just immediately accept somebody else in the role um which i thought could be difficult based on the fact that it would mean another season of relying on alice because i feel like alice should take a bit of a back seat for a while and allow actually like some an actual villain and story to sort of take before um so all my ideas about where i thought it could go have been completely sideswiped by the fact that we may get this um i'm gonna have to look up the name now to remember what it is uh this new character that could be taking over from her have they given a name of the new character yes they have so yes the new character is called ryan wilder um, we initially had casting sides for it that explained uh, who the character um, was going to be and what, the, what they were going to be like. Uh, but it seems that that actually, whilst we've been sitting here, has just been confirmed. So a story has just come out in the last couple of hours from Batwoman boss Caroline Drays, who has opened up on the decision behind replacing the lead character as opposed to recasting it. Her quote is... To be honest with you, I did consider the soap opera version of recasting for a hot minute because selfishly we already had a couple of episodes written and transition-wise it would be seamless. But upon further reflection, I think that Greg Bellanti helped me make this call. He's like, I think we should just reboot Batwoman as a different character. Dries continued to explain the decision by saying it is respectful to Rose's Kate Kane while also helping the audience get over the shock of losing the character. We're not asking them to address the elephant in the room by accepting a new face as the same person. It seems that... The rumours about Ryan have been confirmed as Drowse reveals she is a whole new character who in her past was inspired by Batwoman, Batwoman, so she is going to take the mantle. So the character is described as a likeable, messy, a little goofy and untamed. She is also nothing like Kate Kane, the woman who wore the Batsuit before her. With no one in her life to keep her on track, Ryan spent years as a drug runner dodging the GCPD and masking her pain with bad habits. A girl who would steal milk from an alley cat will also kill you with her bare hands. Ryan is the most dangerous type of fighter, highly skilled and wildly undisciplined, an out lesbian, athletic, raw, passionate, fallible, and very much not your stereotypical all-American hero. Sort of sounds like the antithesis of Kate, in that it'll be a more sort of likeable version. Probably. It almost sounds like they've done like a death in the family. Like, oh, phone in, guys. If you're not really working... Well, Let's this is do the it thing. Again. So, there have been plenty of rumours that Ruby Rose was not enjoying the experience of being the lead on a show, particularly a show like this where there's a lot of long hours, a lot of night shooting, so probably a lot of like sleep in late, start work at 4pm and not finish until 5am kind of situations. And supposedly it wasn't the most healthy of sets because she didn't really enjoy being there. So although she was the one that made the statement saying, I'm leaving the show there's nothing to suggest that this wasn't a mutual decision and that that mutual decision wasn't Warner Brothers saying we know you're not happy this isn't working 
get the F off our show and we'll let you be the one to say you decided to leave, as it were. That's maybe quite a harsh way to look at it, but it has to have been bad enough for the company to not fight too hard to keep her. Because there's been, again, there's no suggestion that Warner Brothers tried and accommodated as much as physically possible to stop her from leaving. Well, you just don't know what's happened behind the scenes, really. No. I suppose you don't know what her contract was, if it was for two series, is it for one series? Normally they sign these people up for five when they're picked up. It's normally a multi-series deal to keep them locked in and to stop them from, um, in the nicest possible way, if if they signed her up to a deal with, like a like say, a fairly reasonable wage, I don't know what that would be in Hollywood, um, for a season, and the show is massive, what's to stop her from saying, I'm not going to come back unless you pay me $5 million an episode? So they normally lock them into a multi-season deal with probably like predetermined pay increments based on the popularity or the success of the show uh, to stop them from having the star power to be able to say well I'm I'm the most important person in the room and I will stop you from continuing with your highly successful project unless you start paying me inordinate amounts of money so like you said so it must there had to have been something for them to release her early from that contract exactly yeah because in, in theory it has been a relatively popular show it has, yeah. I mean, there's lots of talk about the ratings having fallen a bit towards the end of the season, but every TV show does. No no TV series grows, particularly, unless you're incredibly lucky, or on cable. Or Stargirl. Or Stargirl, which is holding on to its audience incredibly well across that three weeks so far. Which is very unusual. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, yes. Um, okay, so... Would you have preferred to have seen someone else take over from Ruby as Kate? Or do you prefer the idea of having a different character? Albeit a completely new character. Complete reinvention, not a character from the comic books. I think I would have rather had somebody just replace her. I'm not a massive fan when they start to fiddle around with continuity in the comic books. I'm inclined to agree. Because then I just think, oh god, it's just going to go into a really weird place. We're going to end up in like a Gotham place. <laughs> Sounds all about that. Uh, we've had quite a few debates about this online, and there's been some really interesting um, opinions about actors who could take over. Uh, one of the people who's been named quite a lot is Wallace Day from Krypton. Um, you've not seen enough of Krypton to know who that is, but actually, I think she could be really great in the role, and I think she could be a really great Kate as well. Um, it's difficult to know have an idea as to who you want to take over because it's a brand new character so she could be anything or anyone um, it's easier to try and think of who could be a, a I nearly said a better um, a different but um... <laughs> alright who could be a better Kate than Ruby they could have done something really cheesy like oh no she's had some horrific burns oh look Alice has made her a new face well exactly they've got a, they've got a villain that sews faces they could, yeah. there's plenty of different ways around it ta-da um, yeah I, there's some interesting theories about ways that they could keep it going from within the Arrowverse as well. Um, so, well, what one one suggestion was, why not chuck um, Kyla Lee off Supergirl as Alex? I couldn't think of a name from it then, as Alex Danvers. Bring Alex over. She's already a lesbian. Um, that, well, because they, they're wanting to continue the sexuality of the character. So you already have an out lesbian character in the Arrowverse who is a very strong commanding character that could potentially shoulder a series because she shouldered that whole episode where she was inside um, 
I'm doing the I'm doing that. I'm putting on my lenses thing. What was it called? Oh, obsidian. Obsidian. Um, she shouldered that whole episode where she was in the Supergirl costume in Obsidian. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting theory that you could bring her over. She even had the relationship with the GCPD cop. Oh yeah, she did, didn't she? Yeah. So she's she's already partly played out the role of Kate in Supergirl. So, and she has the relationship with Supergirl, which is that gender flipped version of the world's finest from the comic book. So. But that's not going to happen. No, no. Well, no. We now know from Caroline Dries that it's going to be this Ryan Wilder character. I mean, the name could change, but essentially, we have, we have a mental image of who is going to replace her. Do you think they're all just secretly trying for another Harley Quinn? How so? Well, that was a completely brand new made-up character for BTAS. True. And yeah. Look how successful that, that's, that's been. That that is the thing that you always want to aim for. Everybody wants the the next character like that. Smallville thought they had it with Chloe. I mean, we'll ignore the, you know... Oh, let's not go there. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> we'll ignore the sex trafficking um, accusations, but that character got ported over into the comic books, but she didn't last very long. Similarly, uh, Green Arrow comic books introduced Felicity Smoke very, very briefly, but again, she did not last very long. She was more of a, of a cameo appearance. So there's plenty of attempts to fire a character from TV to, to the comics like that, but we'll have to wait and see. There's no Bruce Tim. <laughs> so Batwoman is set to return in January 2021 with new episodes. I wonder uh, how they'll transition. Sorry, I'm just I'm thinking out loud now. No, no, no. no. Go for that. Is she going to come back for like a handover or is she just going to be like, oh, she's died? That's the thing. I mean, with the fact that we thought they were going to recast Kate, the presumption was you would, never, you would just never see her again and it would be a different character and we'd all just try and pick it up from where we left off. But now you have the opportunity for her to do that if they could convince her to. I reckon she'll just die off screen somewhere, quietly, or she'll be with Bruce. I wonder if, and this is probably really sloppy writing, now is the right time for a small time jump. The only difficulty being that we know the planned crossover for 2021 is supposed to be Batwoman and Superman. Um, so if, if if Batwoman has a time jump, it could be difficult. But you could, in theory, pick up Batwoman in season two in two, three years in the future with Tommy Elliot with Bruce Wayne's face completely fully ensconced in Wayne Manor and Wayne Tech, Wayne Enterprises, back in that building and Kate having left because either... Well, she could be dead because Tommy may have killed her off or um, left because she failed to convince Gotham that it wasn't the real Bruce Wayne and fed up with the with the mission, decided to just take off and cut her losses for some reason. But I don't know if that's sloppy writing or not. Although, to be fair, we've talked in the past about the fact that Superman might need to be slightly in the future for the fact that the babies from Crisis to be kids. Oh, but then the Kryptonians, maybe they, no, they don't age, don't they? Because he would have aged differently. We, we had that exact same debate last time. It would be, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you would hope that if a fake Bruce Wayne had infiltrated Wayne Tech, that one of the Robins wouldn't have come back and be like, oh, hold on a minute here. Who are you, sunshine? Yeah. Let's go, Kate. That's just me being picky and wanting to see more Robins. Well, that was who we thought was going to come back in the finale. And lo and behold, it was Bruce Wayne. But not Bruce Wayne. 
But that opens up a whole new set of doors, just by having Bruce Wayne now existing in the Arrowverse. Unless that the real Bruce comes back and says, look, Hen, I'm not really happy with what you've done here on your bike. You killed that doctor, man. You broke the code. If this if this Ryan girl is a drug runner and a kind of down and out misfit, albeit one with amazing fighting skills, <laughs> it just sounds so cheesy to even say. It feels like it needs a really major inciting incident for this this woman to just say, "Do you know what? I'm gonna somehow figure out a bat suit or." break into the Batcave and take over the mantle. Which could be really interesting. She might steal the wheels off the Batmobile. <laughs> she could. Oh god. Well we know how that ends up. That doesn't end well. Um I just there need it needs to be I don't know, for me it's just gonna have to be pretty watertight for it to be convincing enough for them to be authentic in taking up the role and being inspired to take up the role. And the way Kate is written out needs to needs to be enough that it would inspire someone to take over which to me says she needs to die potentially well watch this space yes. CW convince me January 2021 until then will return. I'll be off the DC universe <laughs> for some high quality programming alrighty so the other DC story that I, well actually there's a wealth of DC news going on right now um, let's go for the let's go for the comic book talk first actually so very, very recently, uh, obviously everyone will be aware that comic books have not been shipping because Diamond Comic Distributors uh, shut down all operations. They did that because they didn't want to put anyone in danger that works for them, any of the you know, people that collate and send out all these masses of comic books to comic book stores across the US and across the globe. Uh, Diamond has had pretty much a monopoly on all the major publishers for the last 20, 25 years now. They have been pretty much the sole distributor for all the big names in comics. DC stepped away from them temporarily, I say with air quotes, around six to eight weeks ago. And it was announced that when DC renegotiated their contract most recently, they put in a clause whereby if they notified the company with six weeks notice, they could temporarily stop the deal. And they did that to work with two independent companies to get comics back into stores during the pandemic. So DC's new model, as it has been running for the last month or so, is that comics don't just release on Wednesdays. There are comics that come out on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. We can get them throughout the week. Um, they have been doing that to try and ensure that there's enough new content out there for people to try and keep themselves entertained and keep people keep people going during the pandemic. The latest news is that DC has completely severed that deal with Diamond. They will no longer be working with them. They will be working solely with the two independent companies who they've been working with for the last few weeks. And that will be for your... Uh, your weekly comics that you pick up in the in the store every week, your numbered issues, and then all graphic novels and trade paperbacks, which I now understand the difference between the two, uh, will be dealt with, and also all all of the uh, the young adult and uh, children's graphic novels as well will all be dealt with by our lovely friends at Penguin Random House. Just on a side note, trade paperback is a collection from the weeklies, and a graphic novel is a standalone story. That is why the two terms exist. Did not know that. I'd always wondered why the two different terms existed. So that's that's a huge unprecedented move for DC and it's them taking much tighter control over how their comics are distributed. It's caused some quite major waves in the industry. Some are very unhappy about it and the majority are very, very happy about it and see it as DC 
taking control of their future, which is really, really good. It's nice that they can then say, well, you know what, we're going to release every day something different. Yeah, it takes some of the pressure off comic book stores in in that whole, okay, Wednesday we suddenly have like 400 new issues from across all the publishers that we have to get out on the shelves that actually DC are spreading things out a bit more. I don't, maybe that's a bit more complicated. I don't know. In my mind, it seems more simple. Um, and it's, it's nice for readers. I, I really enjoy the fact that I now don't know what issues I'm getting on what day because I've not learned the schedule yet. So I get an email on Tuesday from Comixology that's like, you have new comics. Then Wednesday I get some of my Marvel and... IDW and others and then Thursday I generally get another email it's like ah oh, you have another DC book which I quite like it's just going to be interesting to see how that reverberates through the rest of the industry going forwards and whether any of the other bigger names decide to follow suit and do things a little bit differently in the future mm-hmm. uh, Diamond are obviously not very happy about it They, the way they've approached it is that DC apparently asked them to extend the temporary clause that meant that they were doing what they were doing now um, and then asked Diamond to come back with a kind of business model for how things could work if they went back and that they had asked for an extension on when that model had to be given to them and that DC had just turned around and said you know what actually no we're done we're moving away from you and immediately did it with a, like nothing no notice they, they're trying to claim that DC just one day turned around and said done and that they'd the email that went out to comic book retailers on Friday explaining the new um, model was done within hours of Diamond being told that that deal was over but we'll never know it's behind closed doors nope nobody was in the room when it happened and I'm sure that you have a lot to say about the inner workings of the distribution of comic books so how do you feel about this piece of news oh do you know what I don't really care <laughs> I have another comic book piece of news that I wanted to talk about actually. Oh, okay um which is not DC, but it slightly involves DC, uh, which is uh, a really cool looking new series from Boom Studios uh, called Wind, spelt with a Y, not an I. But it's written by James Tynan IV, oh. current writer of Batman. It also features artwork from artist Michael Dialinus and letters from Aditya Bidika. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, that's how it's... It's the face that went with it. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, basically, this is the first original series from Boom Studios to be announced listed outside of the traditional solicitation cycle, which normally involves listing products three months in advance to retailers and fans. Can you tell I'm reading the press release? Uh, so, Wind was originally announced as an original graphic novel that was going to be printed and released in November 2020, but they've decided to do it as a limited four-part series instead. So, Wind uh, introduces readers to the world where magical heritage is punishable by death, so a young boy named Wind must keep his true identity and pointy ears a secret from everyone in Pipetown, even if it means he'll never have the normal life that he wants. But when his secret is threatened, Wind is forced to leave his home behind to embark on a dangerous quest that will put him at the heart of a real conspiracy beyond his imagination. Now on the run with the boy of his dreams, his best friend Oakley and literal prince, Wind will have to embrace the magic within himself if he wants to save them from the shocking dangers that await. The artwork looks really fun. Oh, yeah. And if you want to check out some of this, I've been covering it over on the website. I'm not going to tell you the address again. You can rewind like five minutes and hear me say it. Uh, We've done done quite a bit of coverage on this. So we've got all the cover artwork that's up there, some of the variants, as well as a video trailer that's been released from Boom as well. But it looks really fun and kind of outside my comfort zone in terms of I don't read a lot of non-kind of superhero type comic book fiction. But I think it's something that I'll really enjoy. Uh, So 
look out for it i've been talking about it a lot on social media so go check it out the first issue will be released he says optimistically knowing uh exactly when actually it's coming out this month june the 17th is when issue one will be in stores and on digital so check that one out and where can they get it oh we're all good comic books are sold obviously good Major elephant in the room story time. That was my elephant. <laughs> On the same day that we found out that Ruby Rose uh, was leaving Batwoman, a certain film director by the name Zack Snyder was doing a watch along of Man of Steel on his Vero account. What was that the same day? Yeah. Oh God, that was a big day. It was. Um, now, there'd been plenty, I mean, there's been plenty of rumours for a very, very long time about what was, what was going to happen here. But in the kind of 24-hour period before this, there was suddenly a big surge in news that something was coming. We all know that Zack Snyder likes to tease. It's been, what, three years since Justice League, but he has continued to tease images from the fabled Snyder Cut. And so there was a lot of anticipation that something was going to happen during this watch-along. Uh, we were actually at work, so we didn't we didn't get to watch. I picked it up on the way home from work and kind of joined in as they were doing the fan Q and A section. Uh, there were a number of fans that got to go on the Zoom call with Zach. His wife Deborah had joined in, and then just as the Q and A was starting, they also got joined by Henry Cavill. Now that was definitely a signifier that something major was probably going to happen. Um, at that point, people seemed to think that it may have been an announcement that there was going to be a Man of Steel two, but. Uh, kind of rattled through right to the very end of the Q&A and then the last person got to ask their question and she said, I'm going to ask the mother of all questions for this fan base, when will you release the Snyder Cut? And he said, well it's not up to me as you know, there's plenty of other people that are involved in it, Warner Brothers need to be okay with it and then Henry Cavill with a cheeky little smile on his face said, ah why don't you just show it to them? At which point Zach said, well I can't show you the cut right now, I don't have it with me but I can show you this and then turn the camera around and up on the big screen in his cinema room in front of him was a black and white picture of all the Justice League including Superman and it said Zack Snyder's Justice League HBO Max 2021 so lo and behold the Snyder Cut as it was known is now dubbed Zack Snyder's Justice League and will be coming next year and it broke the internet <laughs> it did it did break the internet I I have a lot of feelings on it um, and I think it's something that we'll be talking about for a while. We don't know what the release model is going to be for this yet. HBO Max doesn't exist outside of America, so that already is a question mark for anyone not in America. There are plenty of talks going on about whether it will be a four, four and a half hour like, super maxi cut of the film, or whether it ends up being released as like a six part miniseries, which could be huge for HBO to have a a Justice League miniseries with names like Gal Gadot, Henry, Henry, Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, and, uh, and, and Ben Affleck in it. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see. But for now, I thought we'd just talk a little bit about how we feel about that news. One thing that I think is quite important to say is we, on this podcast and on the website, and actually even on our social media, have never used or covered hashtag release the Snyder Cut at all. I I personally have found it to be a fairly toxic fandom from that one man protest in the DC booth at New York Comic Con through to people 
paying what little money they have for an advert in Times Square whilst all of us were inside New York Comic Con and not in Times Square to see it. I just think that there has been a huge vocal group within that who have just used it to cause quite a lot of chaos for a lot of people. Uh, and there are a lot of genuine people that just wanted to see his vision, which I agree with wanting to see his vision, and I'm excited for that. I just think as a as a movement, it's not been something that I particularly wanted to identify with. And I think you feel the same way. Yes, but it worked for them. It, it did work for them. So James, who writes for us, is a huge release the Snyder Cut fan. So at some point, I think we'll probably bring him on for a bit of pro-Snyder Cut vision versus anti-Snyder Cut vision um, I discussion. I was anti. I was not bothered. That's, that's a, yeah. So I guess the right way to say it is interested to see what Zack Snyder's original idea for the film would be like, given all the talk about how much of it was changed but not agreeing with the methods by which that group of people tried to force their agenda. Or, yeah. sorry, again, I'm, it's a sweeping generalisation. I don't mean everyone. I just, the, there is a, a group within that who took it as a chance to just cause trouble. But that's just the internet. That is just the internet. That aside, um, did you think we would ever get to see it? No. Me neither. I didn't think we would. I thought maybe in... Like a 25th anniversary, like Superman the Donner Cut sort of comes along when we're almost in the next generation of fans of people that get to hear about this legendary film that didn't come out the way it was supposed to. But lo and behold, here we are. Here we are. What would you like to see? I suppose the other thing that's worth saying is we both liked Justice League. I mean, it was all right. I mean, I don't mind it as a film. Yeah, I think it's an entertaining watch. I think it's a very flawed story. And obviously things like the, the CGI lip are not very good. No. Um, but as a film, I find it watchable, vaguely exciting at times, and I enjoy the characters. I don't really have any expectations for a release this now. I mean, I don't know, really. It is what it is. We've gone back and watched all the old trailers again. So is there anything from those old trailers that you've seen that you think, oh, actually, it could be interesting to see that? But I'm, There's certain things I hope they get rid of, like all that weird flowers and things at the end. <laughs> When a, when non-apocalypse happens and it then sort of turns into a beautiful magical garden. Yeah, I don't like any of that. Yeah. And what else? I, I don't know, I'd like it to have a bit more of a cohesive story. What about the story did you not find cohesive? I don't know, I just didn't like all the mother box stuff. It just felt like it was sort of... There was a lot of exposition. Well, you could feel that it was supposed to be a lot deeper into the idea of mother boxes and apocalypse and dark side and that it then got toned right down yeah so i wonder if we'll ever hear the words the unity it just felt a bit either go go big or go home yeah and it was like oh there's another box that's it we're not gonna tell what it is we're not gonna tell where it comes from yeah we're just going to talk about it like it's something that we should know and it just made it seem really silly yeah because it suddenly becomes like a hollywood MacGuffin. because yeah. it's not a story from the comics that's being perfectly adapted it's just a little tiny sprinkling of something from the comics that you'll go oh i know what that is and then we'll mix it in with loads of other stuff there are certain contrivances that i hope get taken out like for instance i love the scene at the beginning where batman uh gets the goon on the rooftop and then uses him to lure a parademon but when he nets the parademon and it explodes leaving behind a perfectly drawn image of three mother boxes on a wall. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Like, why would it do that? Why would 
Why would one of the most intelligent villains in the galaxy have an army of people that gave up the information on how to find him and what his plan was if they happened to die? MacGuffin. Yes. So that I hope stuff like that is gone. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Cyborg, actually. I really liked uh, Ray Fisher's Cyborg. So the fact that there'll be... Zack Snyder always called him the emotional heart of the film. So to have a lot of his backstory actually put in there will be nice because he didn't he didn't really get a backstory. He was just sort of there. It'll be nice to see that origin, I think. More Flash, too, actually. Yeah, it's just seemed, I don't know. I'm open-minded as to what will be... So it's confirmed that Darkseid will be in it. We know that Darkseid will officially be in the film. Um, hopefully the scenes that we've seen sort of unedited versions of with Kiersey Clements as Iris West will be back as well because we know Iris was in the original film but cut out. be interesting to see what happens to Atlantis. Was that in the original? Or the, the plan? So even um, Volko is in Justice League. Yeah. Uh, I... That's how bad is that? I now can't remember his name off the top of my head, and I just want to call him Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin. Oh yeah, I can't remember his name. So he he was in Justice League. He filmed scenes for Justice League. But I also hope that anything that was done underwater does not include air bubbles. Yeah, was that a Whedon thing or was that a Snyder thing? I don't know. Um, I I genuinely don't know. I'm sure somebody will know, but I I hope that's not a, a Snyder thing. Or have they just not figured out the technology yet? They potentially hadn't figured out the technology yet, but if that was their way around not figuring it out, it wasn't very good. I would have preferred them to have just not done anything underwater. Yeah. Oh, well. Rather than make it look like if you want to have a conversation in Atlantis, you need to have magic powers. Also, um, I'm just trying to think of other things. Green Lanterns? Oh, yeah, that'd be good. There'll be a lot more to that sequence of what was happening uh, the first time Darkseid tried to come to Earth. There'll be a lot of that more stuff in there. A lot of that more stuff. There'll be a lot more of that in there. Brand new score as well. There will also be a brand new score. That's a bit sad, isn't it? I do love Danny Elfman. He got a lot of stick for that, and I don't know why. I think because people were so beholden to what uh, Junkie XL would have done following working with uh, hands on the previous films but it's going to be weird to see that again with a different score and yes. not have those classic not themes. have like the 89 Batman and the Williams Superman now one thing that I think has been it's been talked about a bit actually but although it's being hailed as a victory for hashtag release the Snyder Cut this isn't the Snyder Cut it's, it's not. It's When you think about it logically, he's going back and he's finishing the film now. He has three years of hindsight and three years of listening to people say what they liked and didn't like about what was in the version that was released. This will not be the film that he would have released had he not have left Justice League in the first place. It's like the Snyder Cut Plus. Yeah, it's like Snyder's ultimate vision, given hindsight and time to refine. Following a focus group. Yes, yes, exactly, following a focus group. But what what else I find really interesting is, now that we've got the Snyder Cut, it's been released, or it's being released, almost instantly we've got a new hashtag. We now have released the air cut. So where does this end? 
in theory, it ends with the two. I mean, for DC, it ends with the two of those. There are no other films that have had all that much done to them. Um, maybe we'll see released the Yan cut for Birds of Prey, but as, as far as I'm concerned, she made the film she wanted to make and released the film she wanted to release. So I don't think there is such a thing. But people are trying to argue that there were Warner Brothers edits to that film that didn't belong. Um, but yeah, I mean, does this set a precedent? for any film that people think has got creative modelling in it and well uh, release the Abrams cut now exists for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker he I mean he himself has said would you think I had time to make another cut for Disney to fuck with it and then us to put out another one no but people will forever wonder what happens behind closed doors so you could say of any film that is seen to have been meddled with it would be interesting to see the Suicide Squad, though, I think. It sounds like Suicide Squad is almost as radically changed as Justice League. Because that would be an interesting view, I think. Not that I'm s- suggesting that we should all start buying billboard. No, there's, there's a difference between trying to force your agenda on Warner Brothers and wanting to see uh, a creator's artistic vision. From what he says particularly the first act of the film was very straightforward and very much in the vein of the other DC films and would have been much more straight-laced and I think that could be quite interesting particularly the relationship between Harley and Joker I would love to see more of Jared Leto's Joker mm, interesting interesting whilst I don't necessarily agree with the teeth or the tattoos I can deal with them because it's nice to see them try something different and I would like to see more of what he could do with that character. I agree. But here we are. Well, here we are. At this exact moment in time, we don't know when in 2021 Justice League will arrive, but we know that Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming. Uh, We hear you. We hear all your questions about how you're going to get to watch it. We will answer as soon as we know at this point in time. All we know is that in North America, it will be available on HBO Max in some respect at some point in 2021. Not that far away, to be honest. We're in June of 2020 now. It's only six months. Exactly. In fact, you might be listening to this having just watched it, in which case, ooh, let us know what you think. Oh, that's kind of a bit timey-wimey. Yeah. That's it for the news this week. On to a couple of TV reviews. Okay, so first up, I'm going to go non-DC. For a TV review, uh, and I realise that this means that I'm going to have to talk. Oh, what a what a change that makes! But I wanted to make sure that we talked about this because we've done. Obviously, there's been a lot of working from home recently. A lot of people are on lockdown. Not for me. There's been a lot of binge watching. Uh, however, if you want to talk about amazing binge watch TV viewing that everyone's been watching, go listen to We Have a Hulk because they did a great discussion topic on everyone's lockdown viewing. I've been watching Fringe. I've done a rewatch. Buffy. We're on season seven. I've been rewatching Bones, rewatching Gotham, rewatching The Walking Dead. We finally got up to the current season of DC's Legend of Tomorrow because we'd gotten behind with that. What else have we been watching? You've watched Still Game. Oh yeah, I've watched lots of comedy programs again. You started Game of Thrones. Yeah, we started Game of Thrones last night. I'm not sure if I'm quite ready for it, but I started it. Again, just to preface that, because you have seen it all before. Yes. What else have I been watching? I've started The Flash again, now that I'm on to season three of Arrow. You watched Discovery again? 
Oh, yeah. Did you say that? Star Trek Discovery? No, I hadn't said that. But we have watched some new shows too. So uh, Amazon Prime's Upload is a great one if you're looking for a laugh. It's a good uh, comedy drama or dramedy, as they like to call them these days. Which stars Robbie Amell, Stephen's cousin. Uh, really funny and just a slightly quirky, off the wall. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Concept is the word I'm looking for. Uh, which is about what happens if you uh, you die and your consciousness can be uploaded into basically The Sims. That's a great watch. Uh, and then the other thing that I wanted to recommend, which is what I'm going to talk about now, is another Amazon Prime series called Alex Rider. If that name sounds familiar to you, that is because it is based on the Anthony Horror series of uh, young adult novels. The eight-part series has been adapted for uh, Amazon Prime by Sony Pictures Television. Executive producer Guy Burt and Anthony Horowitz is also an executive producer on the show. It stars Otto Farrant as Alex Ryder, Ronke Adekolejo as Jack Starbright. I'm so sorry, I probably completely mucked that one up. Brennock O'Connor as Alex's best friend Tom, Vicky McClure as Mrs. Jones, and then you've got, a, it's pretty much, it's a huge kind of cast. It, it's very much, and this is the thing that really interested me about it, it's very much a Scandi drama version of Alex Ryder. Now, we had screeners of the first four episodes, so you've seen a little bit from the first couple, haven't you? I saw the, yeah, I've seen bits and bobs of them. I've now finished the series as of today. And I have to say that I got really gripped by it by the end. It adapts, for anybody that's read the books, it adapts the second book, which is about a uh, school somewhere in the French Alps that clones, and I probably just spoiled the whole thing, um, the pupils. Uh, I won't explain why. There's plenty of reasons behind it. Uh, so they, they, they skipped the first book, which I think was adapted into a, what sounds like a really awful film from a few years ago. So they've gone straight in for the second book instead. But it's a really interesting series. What did you, what did you think of what you saw? Um, it, it was it looked good, but I didn't it didn't grab me. You felt the pacing was quite slow, didn't you? Yeah. And I, I this my only thing. Uh, you can actually read my full kind of first impressions review over on the website. My only kind of criticism of it was that I felt like it pitched itself at a much more adult audience. There'd been some talk in interviews beforehand that it was going to be kind of for all audience members. And I think because they've tried to pitch it at the audience who are likely to be reading the books, as well as people who've read the books and grown up since, because I'm pretty sure they came out in the early 2000s, there is a slightly muddled tone to it, just because it's, it's really stylish, incredibly stylish, and very... Uh, understated and very kind of, I guess, complex or nuanced is maybe the word I would use. But I think the YA audience will find it too slow, whereas those who like your kind of Scandi crime thriller will absolutely adore the pacing of it. But those who I think will adore the kind of the pacing and the slow burn will struggle with some of the slightly more farcical elements from the books like the fact that Tom, the best friend, at one point creates a YouTube video called Alex Ryder, The Life of a Spy because that element would suit a more teenage-based show because you'd be like, oh yeah, totally, he's all, you know he's a YouTuber, he's his best friend and yet when you mix that in with something that's more violent and more gritty and more dark that doesn't 
fits so well and stands out to me as being a bit like, well, surely you would know that if you put that on YouTube, you're in trouble. You're making it sound very complex. Am I overcomplicating it? That doesn't sound like me at all. I don't want to overcomplicate it too much because actually, if you if you stick with it and you go through all eight episodes, it's a wonderfully serialized story, and actually it does build. And the last episode is is very. I was kind of on the edge of my seat for the last episode, um, and I kind of wish my school discos were a bit like the school disco that they had, but sadly that's not to be. Because um, you went to school in the black and white days. So. I went to school in the 90s, thank you very much. So I would say this one is definitely for fans of the kind of the, the Bourne franchise, as well as James Bond. There is a mix of those classic espionage-type franchises in there. I just think that it's... Maybe it figured it out at the end, and actually that's why I enjoyed some of the later episodes more, but it just didn't quite manage to land in every respect because it felt like it was trying to please maybe a few too many people in the audience. Casting is great. Otto Farron is great. The whole supporting cast are great. I'd love to see Vor. Vor. I'd love to see more of Vicky McClure as uh, Mrs. Jones because she's a really great character as his handler. Um, and it'll be interesting. It does. It does end on a cliffhanger that clearly sets up what's next. But having never read the books, I don't know what that is. So I hope there is more because I think it's another example of a new show taking a few episodes to find its feet and that some people will likely give up a little bit too quickly and not stick with it. So I think you might enjoy it more if we were to sit down and watch it again and to watch it maybe a bit more contained rather than spread out. Maybe. I'll say no more on that subject later. Yeah, maybe. I'm just not, yeah. It's not the right time for a new show for me at the minute. <laughs> we don't have any openings for new shows? No, I don't have the headspace. Oh dear. Well, if you're interested in checking out Alex Ryder, I would love to know your thoughts. Let me know on social media. As usual, you can find me at Neil Vag, and you can find us at Get Your Comic Con. If you'd like to tell Martin that you enjoyed it and why he should watch it, then you can find him at Boy Wonder 1989. Alex Ryder's full eight-part first season is available now on Amazon Prime Video uh, globally. It's available completely globally on Amazon Prime. It's nice to not have to say, in America, you can watch it on DC Universe. In Australia, you can watch it on this network. In the UK, you can watch it on this streaming platform. Last up for us this week, we're going to talk about DC's new show, uh, DC's Stargirl, which is its full title, apparently. Stargirl is available now on DC Universe in America. We don't have confirmed details of when it will air in the UK, but we'll bring those to you as soon as you can. We have had the benefit of seeing the first four episodes so far, I thought it was just worth us, without going into too much spoilery detail, because there'll be people listening to this that have no chance to watch it, who may not get to watch it for a little while. I just wanted to talk a bit about how we'd responded to those first ones and whether you felt this was another great entry, knowing how much you've enjoyed the DC Universe shows, or whether you felt this was a little bit more Arrowverse as it's being pitched for potential crossovers in the future. I'll just do a bit of background. So DC Stargirl is executive produced by Jeff Johns, who also created the character. Um, it stars, and now I'm going to do my thing where do I pronounce the name right? I would say automatically, just by reading it, Breck Bassinger, but maybe it's Basinger because there's a lot of debate as to how you say that surname. So uh, Breck stars as Courtney Whitmore slash Stargirl. You've got Yvette Monreal who stars as Yolanda Montez, Angelica Washington as Beth Chappell, Trey Romano as Mike Duggan, Jake Austin Walker as Henry King Jr., Meg DeLacy as Cindy Berman. 
Neil Jackson as a brilliant villain, Jordan Marquette slash Icicle. You've got Christopher James Baker as Brainwave. And then playing Courtney's mum and stepdad are Amy Smart as Barbara Whitmore and Luke Wilson as Pat Duggan, who also doubles up as Stripe slash Stripesy. First thoughts on Stargirl episodes one to four. I quite enjoyed it, actually. It's been a while that we've not been able to talk about this because we first got it back at the end of March, beginning of April. We had a good six weeks lead time to watch the first three episodes before they were out on TV. And then we just got episode four on Friday. Uh, As we're recording this, episode four will air in about 24 hours time on DC Universe. So we are a little bit ahead of America thanks to uh, our lovely friends at Warner Brothers. Always thankful. I really enjoy it. I liked it as well. It's very different from things that we've previously seen on the DC Universe, so it's not as dark. I was going to say, it's yet another different show. So you've got your kind of dark vigilantism in Titans, you've got your quirky comedy in Doom Patrol, you had the horror with Swamp Thing. Um, I'm not going to cover off the animated shows, I'm just sticking with live action. And then you've got this, which feels like Shazam family adventure. It's almost like they've made a DC Universal CW friendly. And so that's the thing that this does air on CW as well. So new episodes debut on Mondays on DC Universe and then uh, edited versions air on the CW on Tuesdays. So it's like they've taken the both from the best from both worlds and came up with this and it works really well. It does work really well and I'm surprised it has done well on the CW uh, because it's heavily serialised. I mean every episode is picked up where the previous episode left off pretty much which the CW shows don't so much. You have those plot threads that run through whereas this feels more heavily serialised and that seems to be resonating with the audience which is great. Which has been your favourite of the four episodes so far? I don't think I've not had a favourite episode. None of them have really stood out for me. I've just enjoyed them all. And I've enjoyed seeing aspects of the comic book history that I'm not that familiar with. Like the JLA and the J the Injustice League. JSA, actually. JSA, sorry. That's terrible. The JLA. I mean that opening so the pilot episode does open with a huge sequence featuring the JSA. Uh that's not I'm, I'm okay to say that I think because it's been talked about online quite a lot uh, like I said we're not going to go too much further into spoilers on this but that was a huge moment for DC on, on the small screen to do that that was almost sort of crisis level huge and it's quite exciting the prospects that having those additional characters bring so even having like Doctor Fate was very exciting yes just seeing the helmet is so exciting and, and potential for a Green Lantern and a Flash uh, yeah, it's, uh, the, the possibilities are endless. And we know that this is Earth 2 in the new universe as well. Oh, okay, so we've, confirmed, so we've got a new multiverse. There's one scene at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths where you see Courtney with her own young JSA and Strike the Robot. Mm. Are, are, we, are we saying that it's in the same universe as Titans and Doom Patrol? No, different Earths. Okay. All different Earths, I remember. They have their own individual Earths. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. Anyway, it's a very good show. So what has been your uh, what's been your favourite elements of this show so far? It's very accessible. 
it's got a very unique style to it. It almost feels like a 90s, late 90s, early noughties comic book style. Smallville? But better. Fair enough. Yeah, it's like Smallville, but better. Any particular characters that you're enjoying or are favourites within the cast? Not really. I just I think it's a good all-rounder for me at the minute. Okay. It'd be very non-committal. You are. I just quite like it. <laughs> That's fine. Are you enjoying it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, What's no, happening? I'm definitely enjoying it. I think it's great. I think they're a good cast of characters. I think I need to see more of the high schoolers, but judging by episode four and the kind of episode titles moving forwards, we're going to spend some time individually with them, which is good, because I think they do need more development before they can take on some of these heroic identities. I think Courtney is a good lead. She's she's not perfect. I don't mean that like acting. I mean the character is not perfect. And that's fine. She's a teenager. She doesn't have to be perfect. I really like the relationship between Courtney and Pat. I think Luke Wilson's a good bit of casting. I'd like to see more of her mum. But I feel like that's going to be an important part in the storyline further down based on the fact that she's working with Neil Jackson's character. I think he's an amazing villain. I think Icicle is great. I liked Brainwave in those first couple of episodes, but I feel like Icicle has got a bit more presence to him. It's been interesting to see uh, why Icicle is doing what he's doing. So in episode three, you get to explore a little bit more of his backstory, which was exciting to see. And I think it uh, gave some more context to the story. I think that Jeff Johns is showing some of his best TV writing that he's done for this. It's a very tight story that I feel like he's the only person that should do it at this point because it's his baby and I feel like that level of understanding is really clear in the way the show is written. How are you finding the production values and the CGI based on the fact that this this is actually in comparison to some of the other so you had a lot of practical effects in, in Swamp Thing Doom Patrol often has some quite heavy special effects, whereas Titans is a little bit more straight, just practical. Um, how are you finding the production on it, particularly with the giant robot and stuff that's involved? It's actually pretty good. I was quite surprised at how good the production value was. It's also really interesting that there's a, um, a practical version of the robot for Luke Wilson to sit in, in the cockpit as well, and for yeah. some of those static scenes. That was amazing. I was like, wow, that's really impressive. It does... It does feel like a really lush production to me. No expense has been spared. It's not a click and drag moment. <laughs> uh, are you referencing a much memed moment from Supergirl? Uh, I may or may not be. No, you're right. Uh, it's 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 a it's a really well produced show. I think it's well acted. I think it's well produced. It's well written. Uh, I'm really enjoying the score as well, which is by Pinar Toprak, who did the score for Captain Marvel. Uh, her music is. I think really well suited to this and it's it amps up that 90s Amblin entertainment film action adventure family comedy dramedy type feel of the whole thing it just feels it I guess like you actually I'm not sure I could say that there's an episode that stands out to me particularly it's just a good all-rounder and is becoming something that I look forward to watching each week yeah I mean I don't think there's, we've not had enough story yet I know we've got it's been quite clear in that we know who the big bad is. We've got a rough idea of what's going to happen. But we've just not gotten there yet. And it's starting to warm up a bit more. 
That's probably as much as you can say without spoiling it too much. And that's all I will say. <laughs> uh, if you well, okay. So here's a question then. Um, if you were to kind of give, so one thing that I've been doing with shows that we get to watch a number of episodes of beforehand is uh, is doing like a first impressions rather than trying to force myself to review the four, five, six episodes we get to see before they're released. And so I don't tend to score very much. But if you were kind of giving a first impression based on what you've seen, how would you sort of score this? As like a number or? Yes. Like some sort of verbal scale? A number will suffice. Um, A solid... What? Even, you've made that face as he's going to say a solid... Mm. No, no, go for it. I'm going to give it a, a comfortable... Six and a half. Okay. Oh, no, we'll, we'll give it a seven. That's what I thought you were going to say. Comfortable seven. My face was he's going to say comfortable, uh, like a, a solid seven. Well, that's why I went to six and a half. And I thought, no, I'm not doing it justice. <laughs> I would probably give this a, a seven and a half or an eight if I was to give it a score. I am I'm reviewing it on a, on a weekly basis, so you can read my reviews of each individual episode as well. Or if you're interested in not having too much spoiled for you beforehand, then you can read my first impressions article over on the website for it as well. As I said, we don't know when this is going to air in the UK as yet. We will confirm that information as soon as we have it for you. In the meantime, it's currently airing for those in North America on Mondays on DC Universe. And if you're not a subscriber, then you can catch it on the CW and the CW app from Tuesdays onwards. Uh, the CW episodes are edited slightly. I don't think that's going to be the case for episode four that we watched this week as it was only 42 minutes. But some of the early ones that run into the 50, 55 minutes will be edited down slightly. So for DC Universe subscribers, you do have the benefit of seeing an unedited episode as well as some behind-the-scenes bump as well. But if you have been lucky enough to be able to watch this, or if you're listening and you are in America and you're watching this on the CW or DCU, then get in touch and let us know what you think of it. We'd love to hear your thoughts. about wraps things up for this week uh hopefully we'll be back in a couple of weeks time pandemic dependent by that time we will have finished harley quinn season two so i think it's about time that we sit down and we discuss harley quinn the animated series and what we've been thinking of that show so far i can't really say what else will have happened in the next couple of weeks because we just don't know we don't know we will have read the first issue of Wind, so I'd quite like to bring that back and review it because I think it's going to be something that people would like to hear about. Uh, TV-wise, there's no massive releases coming up yet. Disney Plus will have Artemis Fowl that will be airing. I might try and sit down and watch that one if I can. Um, Book-wise, hopefully lots more comic books will have come out in that time. We've seen this week that Marvel is starting to release again and also Boom, so that's good. Might have Might be time to bring back some comic books to review. Sounds like a sensible plan. Until next time, stay safe, stay well. Uh, My name is Neil. My name is Martin. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye!